Praise him. Praise God. That's right. Phil always says praise God, which is good. Amen. Because <laughs> we should praise him. Right? We should wake up in the morning and, and we should praise him. You know, like I prayed, there are people that didn't wake up. You know, and we can go through life and, and uh, you know, we can all be guilty of it where we think we're going tomorrow. We got tomorrow. We got next week. And we just go through life. We just go through the motions of life. And sometimes, you know, we can forget who we're actually serving, who we are supposed to take our marching orders from. Right. Sometimes we want to give our own marching orders. Right. Um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to hit this store. And once I get in the grocery store, I'm going to do this, do this. And sometimes God may have other plans for us. Right? And uh, we just have to remember that. Amen. So uh, last week we talked about forgiveness and uh, we're going to continue with that. And really, I don't know where I'm starting at. <laughs> we, we, we finished last week in uh, John chapter five. Uh, most of it, uh, actually the bulk of it is outside of one verse and, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to read it, but I'll just paraphrase what I was talking about. Um, how, you know, we could be really doing the will of God and sometimes some people could take it the wrong way and, you know, they may target us, but in hindsight, even through their targeting, it can cause us to have unforgiveness towards them. <clears throat> right, because we feel we're doing right, and then you know sometimes right then and then when we're dealing with people, we may not be angry with them, but guess what happens when we get away from them? Thoughts start coming, right? Evil thoughts start coming, right? I see some heads nodding. I know I'm not the only one, right? Oh, I, you know, whatever it may be, something happened to them, you know, whatever. It may not even be that point, but. I should have did this. I should have did this. Or sometimes we may rise up. I should have hit him. I, you know, whatever it may be. We, you know, we have evil thoughts. But that, that, that's not God. Right? That's not God. And you know what? Those things are going to happen because we have this flesh. Right? But God doesn't want us uh, to do that. And I mentioned last week, this is where I was trying to go with it. Because um, I was reading over that, reading on my notes, and um, it dawned on me. Have you ever heard, I'm pretty sure we all have, that Christianity is, is uh, not a religion, but it's a relationship, right? We, we say that and it sounds good, but actually that's not what the Bible actually tells us, believe it or not, <laughs> right? And the reason what, what brought that to my mind was, um, and I think last week I might have said uh, that when Jesus was talking to John chapter 5, he was actually talking to uh the religious leaders, right? So really the Jewish leaders, and y'all know what I mean by that, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and things like that. But um, there's different Greek words in the Bible. It, you, you know, it's almost like like a bad word for us to say Christianity is religion, right? It's, 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 we don't say that. And I remember uh, me and my wife were in the church years ago, in South Carolina, and they were singing a, uh, a song, and I don't remember the song, but I wouldn't sing it anyway if I did remember it, <laughs> for y'all's sake. <laughs> but it was something about religion. And we were both like, mm. but the pastor took the time to explain it afterwards, and we were like, oh, okay. And we know we weren't the only ones, because he saw some faces. And, uh, and I don't remember even what he said, but, uh, you know, we just, we are so conducive because religion is such a bad word, you know, but we have to be careful with that because what happens is 
will associate even denominations. People that come out, yeah, I, I'll tell them myself, I'm guilty, right? Somebody say, oh, I go to uh, Methodist church, Lutheran church, Baptist church. Oh, you, you're religion, you know, and I'm like, but truth of the matter, they could love and be serving Jesus Christ. And believe it or not, even in the Catholic church, right? I remember there was a, a, a mother in a church, one of the churches in Connecticut, and where she first learned speaking in tongues was in a Catholic church, believe it or not, right? So we, we kind of ju- start the judgmental. But real quick, um, I'm going to give the modern-day definitions, right, for, for religion. Modern-day definition is from, uh, is from Webster's Dictionary. A personal set or institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices. And the word religious, don't need me to repeat that? You're good? Okay. Religious is relating to or manifesting faithful devotion to an acknowledged ultimate reality or deity. Right? So, what we have to understand, there is a true religion and false religion, right? We know there's only one true religion, right? And that's where we have to be mindful of. So, the Greek words for religion is, in the, in the, in the New Testament, religious worship. And that's found in James 1.27, and we're going to go to that in a minute. And then the word religious, a Greek word, is fearing or worshiping God, to tremble. That's not bad, is it? Right? So, let's turn to uh, James chapter 1 real quick. We're going to look at uh, 26 and 27. You know, because sometimes we, like I said, we, we, we hear those words and we're like, uh, no. But the Bible is where we're supposed to get stuff from, right? <clears throat> and, I, and, and I didn't do research on this, but what probably what happened was once we started to get more non-denominational churches, charismatic churches, they started to try to get people probably to distance themselves from denominationalism and started using religion and things like that. And tr- there, there are words that are used in the Bible for religion in the New Testament where it can denote bad things. The King James Version will have a different word there, but other translations will use the word religion and things like that. But real quick, so James 1.26 says this, <clears throat> If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. So he's not using it in a bad term here, right? So he's saying, basically, if you're going to call yourself religious, you need to have control over your tongue, right? So that's not bad, right? So now, verse 27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That's good, right? That, that, that's how we would define Christianity, right? So that's the same thing with re- religion. So let's not look at it as a bad word, right? But we, we just have to have understanding of it and understand that, yes, we serve Jesus Christ and uh, we serve true religion, right? And those out there that are, whether Hindu, Muslims, you know, they're the false religion, right? So, um, 
that was his day. I don't know why I shared that, but that has nothing to do with my message per se. <laughs> but I felt that, that that was something the Lord was dealing with me about this week. So I wanted us to all have understanding of it per se. Amen. Amen. So let's go to John 15. Verse. No, we'll start at verse 11. How do you, you know, we got to understand that part of forgiveness is love. Right. Because if we're going to love, we're going to forgive. And if we don't forgive, then we're not truly loving. All right. John 15, verse 11. We there? All right. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13. Greater love has no man in this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Verse 16. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain that what your, your, let me start off 16. You do not, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. So let's start right there before we go to verse 17. So we read last week, I think we read last week. If not, we'll get to it this week that if we don't forgive our brothers, then the Lord is not going to forgive us. Right. So he's not going to even hear our prayers. Right. So that ties into this. You know what unforgiveness is? It's a it's a fruit squasher, <laughs> because if we walk in unforgiveness and we're not forgiving our brothers or sisters or just anybody in general, really, it's 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 crushing the fruit that's inside of us. And and that's when we start to become bitter. We start to have those evil thoughts. Right. And all sorts of things start happening. And, and that's why the Lord doesn't want us to walk in unforgiveness like that, because it's not good. It's not good for it's not a character of Christ and it's not good for our character. Verse 17. These things I command you that you love one another. So he's saying the same thing that he said in uh, basically in verse 12. Right. So that word love there means this. It means to be fond of, to entertain, to be contented. So to be contented means to be at ease. So remember when I talked about how sometimes, you know, you can be in church, we can be in church and we, we want to forgive somebody, but maybe we have not forgiven them and we start to feel uneasy. That goes back to that love right there. And, and those are the, these are the things that we got to be mindful of because, again, Forgiveness starts with love. All right. So the word um, Jesus says he commands that we love one another. Commanding the Greek here means to to order to be done, which means it's not optional. Right. So sometimes a lot of times we try to make forgiveness optional. 
right? And and we, we, we try to make it optional because, you know, we're like, all right, well, the Lord's going to understand what they did, right? The, the, the Lord, he, sometimes it may be, well, he's far away. He don't understand, you know, he, he may not know, right? But he knows everything, right? Sometimes he may think we're going to sneak something by him. And we, there's no way, because Marshall talked about that, you know, on a resurrection weekend, that the body is going to, is a recorder, right? So, but we have to understand that it's a commandment. So, we ever heard the term, hurting people hurt people? Yeah. And we've heard it in churches, yeah. right? We heard it in churches. Well, I thought about that. That shouldn't be. And I, I understand we all may have bad days and things may come up where we may snap at someone. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who constantly come in <laughs> and they have the pruned face on. You know, they're supposed to be ushers, uh, deacons, maybe even pastors or ministers. And, and, and then we make excuses for them. I've done that in previous churches, right? So my wife may say something about, Oh, no, something's not right about this. And I'll make excuses for the churches and say, well, you don't understand. You know, they're hurting people. When we read in the Bible, when Jesus brought deliverance, what happened to the people? They went away what? Rejoicing. Rejoicing. So why are we making excuses for us as believers for us to say, well, hurting people hurt people. And then we, we, we'll say, oh, we're a hospital and, uh, you know, we're just like a family. And, uh, you know, natural families arguing. And, you know, granted, we may disagree. That's okay, because Paul and Barnabas disagree, right? But the thing is this. We're, we're still supposed to be different. Amen. Right? We're still supposed to be different. Right? Because what connects us? Right? We're, we'll say, well, the family's blood. Well, guess what? We're still all of one blood. Yeah. Right? Even, you know, we're still all one blood. Even if Marie didn't give birth to Victoria... It's still the same blood, right? So now, in turn, as believers, guess what? We should even be closer because why? We have the Holy Spirit, Amen. right? We have the common denominator, which is Jesus Christ on the inside of us. So it should never be an excuse for us to say hurting people hurt people. And it's an excuse because what happens is most of the time, again, we're not cleaning the fish, right? And then we make excuses for not cleaning the fish. And we just want to bring and hoard people in. But at some point, there has to be a change. Right? I get it. Some people may have had some serious things happen to them. Right? And, and sometimes it may be a process for them to, to, to be delivered from those things. Right? But there should still be some joy in that. Because I've been to churches where the same people, they're serving, they're in leadership positions, and they look miserable. And then the pastor will say, well, you don't know what they've been through. Jesus is Jesus. Amen. Regardless of that. Amen. Right? So why is it necessary for us to dumb it down like that? Where is the deliverance going to come in? Amen. Right? So that should never be said within the church. Hurting people hurt people. That should not even be. It. That's something for the world. That's something for the world to say. Now, unbelievers, yeah. They're going to be like that. But as believers, we should not, that, that should not be in our vocabulary. Amen. So even the fact that Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement, they eventually reconciled. Right? They, they reconciled. 
And that's what we have to do as believers. We have to reconcile. All right. So let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter six. See, we got to love one another. We can't be jealous. We can't have envy. And none of those things because those are all carnal behaviors. And so is unforgiveness. It's carnal. Matthew 6 will begin at verse 5 when you're there. <clears throat> Alright. Matthew chapter 6 beginning at verse 5. And when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. And surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who, who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for there are many words, therefore do not do not be like them. For your father knows the things you ha you have need of before you ask him. So think about that. The, that's something we have to remind ourselves of. The Lord, you know, we, we're constantly praying and things like that, and we sometimes we think that the Lord has forgotten, but He knows. He knows. Before we even ask Him, He knows why. Because He knows the end from the beginning. <clears throat> we just have to uh, trust Him. Verse 9, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Verse 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also what? Forgive you. So guess what? If we don't forgive others of their trespasses, guess what? We're not going to be forgiven. Verse 15. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I said it. <laughs> so we can't walk in unforgiveness. Right? And the thing is this. A lot of times we're thinking we have to do it out of our own ability. <clears throat> but the Lord strengthens us. Amen. He strengthens us. And the more we go to him and we're asking him to help us to, to deliver us from that, guess what? He's going he's gonna to sow into us, right? So now once he sows into us, guess what? Now we can go, right? But a lot of times we think we have to do it out of, by ourselves. And that, that's not, look, because if, if we're going to do it by ourselves, then we don't need him, Right? <laughs> But we need the Lord to know how to love properly, right? So we need the Lord to learn how to forgive properly, Amen. right? Not to hold on to the, the, the things and, and, you know, sometimes we can hold on to stuff for years. If it's a family member and we don't see them, guess what? We'll hold on to it. And then the next, what, family cookout or the gathering or the wedding, ooh, Uncle so-and-so going to be there? Mmm. Mm. Well, I want to make sure I'm on the other side, right? <laughs> uh-uh. No, we got to forgive. We got to forgive. <clears throat> and it's, 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 again, it's not an easy task. It's not an easy task. But 
God knows and see again if we don't forgive that's when these evil thoughts come in see the enemy will want us to forget God wants us to forgive Amen. see we don't forget we still remember and we can remember because we're born again and we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us Amen. right so what's a good example of somebody in the Bible like that Joseph Joseph right we don't need to turn there in Genesis, right? Uh, again, uh, 37. Uh, but we're all familiar with Joseph, right? <coughs> I keep trying to cough. I'm trying to hold it back. <laughs> um, excuse me. But we think about all the things that Joseph went through, right? And, you know, sometimes we think it's Joseph's fault a lot of times, right? You know, was there a little pride there? Maybe. But... Was he the reason why his brothers hated him? No. Let's go to uh, um, verse, uh, Genesis 37. Yes, when he went to tell them his dreams, they despised him, but they despised him before that. And we're going to see why. Simple. It happens today. Poor parenting. <laughs> Because when we have kids, multiple kids, what are we not supposed to do? There we go. Thank you. Not supposed to be favorites. Right? <coughs> All right. Genesis 37. We there? Okay. All right. Genesis 37, beginning at verse 1. <coughs> now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. So let's stop right there. How old was Joseph? 17. Teenager. Right? Why are we expecting him to be act like a grown man at 17 years old? Now, was he probably more mature than some of our 17-year-old males today? Probably so. Right. But nevertheless, he was still a teenager. Right. So we, we we're, we're trying to put things on Joseph when he was still a teenager. Right. He has not gone. He still has to experience life. And that, so I truly believe that Joseph was probably a little bit naive in some of the things that he did. I don't think he was trying to be malicious in a lot of things, because sometimes you have people who are who have a good heart. Right. They have a good heart. Sometimes they're book smart, but. They don't really have common sense sometimes, right? So let, let's go to verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. Verse 4. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they did what? They hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Right? So this is the main reason why they hated Joseph. Right. So the things that Joseph experienced, we'll, we'll, we'll read on a little bit. Verse five. Now, Joseph had a dream and he told he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? 
So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. So let's start right there. So again, was it naive for Joseph to go to them and tell them this dream? Probably so. But Joseph, Joseph again is what? 17 years old. Right? So he's not thinking probably like, actually, a lot of adults would probably would have went and told too. So <laughs> truth be told. Right? So, you know, we, we put an onus on Joseph and things like that, but we, we got to be careful that. But tr they hated him for this dream, but ultimately they hated and despised him because of the way his father treated him. Because guess what? If you have a child that's treated favorably, yeah, they're going to they're gonna have some, uh, they're going to uh, expect some good privileges sometimes, right? That, that particular child, they're going to get away with things a lot more. And sometimes the other siblings may use that child to get what they need, right? It, it happens. All right, verse 9. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and eleven stars bowed down to me. Now, you would think Joseph would learn the first time, right? But he didn't. Again, though, he's 17. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So we, as, we, as you go on, you'll see that his brothers ended up selling him, right? And then what happened? Joseph basically missed a good portion of his life away from his family, right? So he missed the birthdays. He missed the celebrations, the, the uh, cookouts and things like that. And, and Joseph was even wrong even by what? Potiphar's wife, right? Really, you think about it, Joseph had to forgive a lot. He had to forgive his brothers. And I, maybe he, he could have had some bitterness towards his dad too, right? But Joseph, Joseph, when we read about Joseph, technically, he had a good heart. He had a good heart. He didn't hold on to, to unforgiveness. Now, I don't know how many of us have been wrong like Joseph, right? But if Joseph could forgive, see, we, we look at it as sometimes, well, Joseph still, we'll, we'll say, well, Joseph had to go through because God was speaking to him. Well, God was speaking to him because God knew what was going to take place through the dream, right? But even through all that, Joseph had to spend time in the presence, right? And then, uh, who was it? I think it was the, was it the butler? Was supposed to, and then the, even the baker, think, I think it was the baker, right? Um, he interpreted both their dreams and they forgot about him, right? They forgot about him. So he had to spend more time in there. So that's more forgiveness he could have had, right? So, but Joseph didn't allow that to settle in. He still, what, he, he got married, he had children, right? But even though he had his position, even though he was well off, again, he missed all that personal family time. Why? Because he got done wrong, right? He, he, ultimately, he got done wrong. So what happens is this, uh, you know, we can't absolve the guilty party of their responsibility. That's not what Joseph did. He still let them know, right? So... We shouldn't try to pretend that nothing hurtful has happened when it has. As Joseph's brother stood before him begging for his help, he told him, I am your brother whom you sold into Egypt. He let him know. 
He let them know that, hey, you sold me into Egypt and you did me wrong. Right? But even the fact that you did me wrong, I still forgive you. See, sometimes we, we think that we can forgive and even in the midst of forgiving people that we just forget. No, we don't want to hold on to that. We don't want to hold on to that. See, the trouble with forgetting is that it grants absolution, meaning it releases the other party from guilt and what they did. Right? We can still have What's the word I want to look for? Um, a cordial dialogue with those that may have done us wrong, regardless of what they did. But sometimes we don't, often we don't want to do that. We just rather avoid it, right? But no, we don't want to absolve them of what they have done wrong to us, right? So a woman, Susan Ford, uh, this is what she asked. She suggests responsibility can only go to one of two places, outward onto, onto the people who have hurt you or inward into yourself. So you may forgive the other person but end up hating yourself all the more in exchange. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you may forgive somebody but you haven't really discussed it. And then you start, you know, that's where you, you, you're holding on to stuff and now you become bitter towards other people, right? The Lord doesn't want us to do that. The Lord, us, Lord wants us free of that. Right? But just because we're born again believers doesn't mean like, well, I don't tell a person what they did to me. Alright? Almost done. Forgiveness is free to the offender, but costly to the forgiver. Jesus used a parable. I talked about the parable. I don't have to read it from Matthew 18 about the uh, king um forgiving the um, person of all the thousands of talents, right? That was costly to the king. He forgave, right? But then that person he forgave didn't want to forgive the one that he owed hundreds of denaries to, right? So he didn't want to pay the cost. He wanted the, the, the servant wanted the other servant to pay the cost. But the king, he, he, he absolved the cost in that, right? So If we have trusted Christ, we have been freely forgiven for every sin we have ever committed or ever will commit. For this reason, we are freely to forgive others. The king forgave the servant's debt, yet the forgiven servant would not forgive a debt of, uh, of the denarii. God views our lack of forgiveness for one another from the same perspective. So it's important for us to forgive in and, the and, 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 in the midst of us forgiving, yes, it's going to cost us something. It, it, it's going to hurt. Why? Because it's, it's not always easy to forgive, right? So what happens? And I, I kind of touched on it earlier, right? If we don't forgive, that's when the bitterness comes in, right? So let's turn to Ephesians 4. We'll close with this. Uh, we begin at 31. Actually, 30. And do not, I'm sorry, y'all there? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, 
by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. So, bitterness, bitterness, wrath, anger, those are all results of unforgiveness. And guess what? Those are fruit of unforgiveness, right? So, if we walk in unforgiveness, these are things that tend to start to sprout up in us, right? Because now it's our flesh (laughs) starts to rise up in us, right? And and guess what we're doing when we're, we're grieving the Holy Spirit? And that's what he doesn't want us to do, right? That's why the Lord wants us to forgive. Forgiving one another, even as Christ, even as God and Christ forgave you, right? These are things that we, we have to remember. And then part of this also is we have to learn to forgive ourselves. This is what happens a lot of times, too. We don't forgive ourselves because sometimes we can't control what somebody else does, right? We can't control if they're still, you know, we done made amends, we ask for forgiveness, but they're still holding on to bitterness and things like that, and they won't have nothing to do. We can't look back at it and say, well, you know, I wish I would have done it this way. No, we, we did our part. We did our part. And even, even as if it's our brothers and sisters in Christ, we read it last week, to go to the person, and they don't hear us, get two or three people. They don't hear us, what, bring it before the church. Right. And guess what? They still may not um, forgive us. They still may not release it. But from that point, we got to let it go. Right. But a lot of times when when things happen or things we've done in our past, we want to say, well, I wish I can go back and change it. But we can't go back and change it. And we start to hold on to those things. And then guess what? Now it's no longer I'm holding on forgiveness towards the other party. I'm holding on forgiveness in me. And that's what happens a lot. With, with believers. We have to let stuff go. We have to learn to let stuff go and stop holding on to it and saying, well, I wish I would. No. When we handle it the biblical way, that's all we can do. And then we have to turn it over to God. And that's it. It doesn't matter what the other party says. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter if they're not talking to us. We can't control what somebody else does. We can only control what we do. And see, as Christians, we like to look outwardly. <laughs> Right. A lot of times, no matter what it is, it doesn't even have to be about forgiveness. Or unforgiveness. We like to look outwardly on any and everything. But Jesus wants us to look inwardly. Amen. Right. Because this is what we can control. This is what we can allow change to happen. I can't change Joan. <laughs> right. I can't change Joan. So if I offended Joan, I go to her and she decides not to forgive me. I don't think she would do that. But if she did. <laughs> You know, that's it. I can't, I can't do no more. That's it. And I have to let it go. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads.